Father, we thank you for the word of God that sustains, the word of God that, that is life and spirit. And I pray now, Lord, that you would anoint the meditations of my heart. Let it come to your people. Let it bring encouragement. Uh, let it bring life, Lord. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We spend a lot of time thinking about it. We spend time planning to get it. We do not want to waste it. We think of how to spend it, how to save it, how to invest it, how to show it sometimes. The Bible talks a lot about it. Jesus talked a lot about it. Many of his parables concern it. What is it? No secret, right? You see the title of the sermon. But if it is not in harmony with God's idea about it, if it is not in harmony with the biblical principles laid down by our Creator God who owns it, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, we are setting ourselves up for a miserable life. You have heard it said enough that money has the potential to be our greatest blessing, but also our greatest curse. Well, some people ask, what is the church about? And I think some of us will answer, hallelujah. The church is about hallelujah, praising God. But some say it is about hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> For those who don't understand Hokkien, Hokkien, it is about the church is about wanting your money. And I know, and I, and I know that for those who are not believers or even not believers for a very long time, that, that this thing about tithing and these bags is a big bugbear for many people. Our text today is from Deuteronomy chapter 26. And if you have an NIV Bible, there is a subtitle there. It says, First Fruits and Tithes. And let me now trace the practice of offering to God through Scripture. The first offering we find in the Bible is the offering of Cain and Abel. It was free will. God didn't command it. But as they had produce from the ground and as they had animals, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and so did Abel. That was the first one. The next one that we can find is from Noah. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Second time. And then came Abraham. And this is when the word tithe, or 10%, or one-tenth, was first mentioned. It was free will. God did not command Abraham, give me 10%. It was spontaneous. This is what you read in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. 
Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. This is also mentioned in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 1 onwards. And this, there is this mysterious Melchizedek, which some have, have said that he would be like the pre-incarnate Christ. But it was a free will tithe, a spontaneous 10% offering to God. The next mention of 10% or tithe is in Genesis chapter 28 from verse 20. It's about Jacob, Abraham's grandson, right? Jacob, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Genesis chapter 28 from verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow. If God be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This was Jacob's bribe to God. The first time you see any sort of required compulsory giving is the story of Joseph and the story of the famine, the feast and the famine in Egypt. When Joseph required the people to give 20%, 20% to Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41. It was sort of like a CPFF, a Central Provident Famine Fund to support the national government, which will then later provide during the famine years. The first required giving. And then we come to Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, where God spelled out all the social and ceremonial laws. And this is where we come to the first tithe, the required tithe. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe, a tenth, of everything from the Lord, from the land, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And then again, in Numbers 18, it, it tells you how this is to be given. Numbers chapter 18, verse 24, Instead, I give to the Levites as their inheritance the tithe that the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord. That is why I said concerning them, they will have no inheritance among the Israelites. You remember the 12 tribes of Israel, everyone was a portion land in the promised land, but not the Levites. The Levites will survive on the tithe given by the 11 tribes. And this first tithe of Leviticus 27.30 is called the Lord's tithe. At that time, it was, the government was not a democracy, it was a theocracy. It was a tax. The first tithe is a tax. You give your tithe to God, and God gave the tithe to the Levites. And the Levites administer a theocratic government whose ruler, whose king is God. First tithe. Then there is a second tithe. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 14 from verse 22, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, 
and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. And if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household will, shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. So there is a first tithe that you give to the Levites. There is a second tithe that you take to Jerusalem. And if it is too far away, then exchange it at 20%. Uh, and then gather with your friends, go to Jerusalem, eat with your friends, with your relatives, invite the Levites and the priests there. It is a national potluck. Some of you don't like to use the word potluck, so pot bless is the term that's often been used by Christians. It is a festival. It is called a festival tithe. You think you give to God, but you eat it yourself. It's a festival. It's social. Three times a year, remember, last week we talked about the three feasts, Passover, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Tabernacles. You go to Jerusalem and you celebrate and you enjoy yourself. You bring the tithe along and you eat it yourself. It's a tithe to God, but you enjoy it. Second tithe. And then there is a third tithe. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, from verse 28, it says, At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. This tithe, 10% every three years, so 3.3% a year, or, or let's just shorten it to 3%. This is for the poor. This is a welfare fund. So if you do a subtotal, the first tithe 10%, the second tithe 10%, the third tithe 10% every three years, or 3.3% per year, 23.3%. That's what the Israelites of ancient days give. 23.3%. To confirm it, I mean, if you read the Bible, it, sometimes it's not so clear. So this historian, uh, Josephus, who lived from uh, 37 uh, AD, who wrote the book Antiquities, is, is a, is a uh, what is it, uh, authoritative uh, work that talks about history of those days. Let me quote to you what he wrote. Beside those two tithes, which I have already said you are to pay every year, the one for the Levites, the other one for the festivals, you are to bring a third, every third year, a tithe to be distributed to those that want, who are in want, to women that, who are widows, to children that are orphans. So it's very clear. There are three tithes. 10, 10, 3, 23%. And then there is the, the practice of gleaning. Uh, Leviticus 23 verse 22 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So you don't grab 100%, you profit share. 
you profit share to those who are aliens, who are the poor, so that they can just take what is necessary and eat. And then there is a temple tax. When the temple was built or being rebuilt, the first time was in Exodus 30, where half a shekel per man was collected to build the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. By the time of Nehemiah, it was dropped down to one-third of a shekel, Nehemiah chapter 10. And then there was a Sabbath year where you don't do any work. God will provide. You don't do any work. You let the land rest and you yourself too rest. No work, no income. And then there was the Jubilee year, every 50th year, where you forgive all the debts. Everybody who owes you money, you forgive and you don't work that year as well. So there's a lot of giving in the Old Testament, way more than 23.3% if you add all this up. It's just like, give lah, give, give. The Lord bless you, give. But there is a distinction between tithes and free will offerings, right? That 23.3% is not like free will. God says, give, give. I think he knows the heart of man. The first mention of free will giving is in Exodus chapter 35, verse 29. And all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for the work of the Lord through Moses, uh, through Moses had commanded them uh, to do. This, to, this was to build the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. It was a collection, a free will collection. And then if you search your electronic Bibles, free will, you will find many verses all through the, the rest of the four books of, of the Bible from Exodus to Deuteronomy and, and elsewhere as well. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There's one in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 17. It says, You must not eat in your own town the tithe of your grain and new wine and oil or the firstborn of your herds and flocks or whatever you have vowed to give or your free will offerings or special gifts. So they distinguish between tithes and free will offerings. The psalmist David also mentioned this in Psalm 54, verse 6. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. So tithes and free will offerings. So we come back to the three tithes, huh? that 23.3%. That no matter how you look at it, it is a tax. It is a tax. The objective of this 23.3% was for government, theocracy, the first tithe. Was for enjoyment. Just celebrate it and go to Jerusalem with your family and relatives and bring the Levites uh, along and celebrate before the Lord three times a year, the second tithe. And was for welfare and to look after the poor, the widows, the orphans, that 3% the third tithe. The principle of all this is it all belongs to God anyway. And God asks you to look after people, to bring them along, to celebrate together, to feast together, and to enjoy all that God has blessed you with. All is God's anyway. And that's why Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 can tell us, honour the Lord with the first fruits, honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your substance, of all your crops. And then your barns will overflow and then your vats will brim with new wine. But you know that as soon as these regulations or taxes were laid down 
in the old covenant, men began looking for loopholes. Right? As soon as a new law comes out, people would look for, for loopholes. And they began to shortchange God. They began to short measure God. They began to offer God lame animals, the lousy one, the, the shirt that is broken we give to care channels. And, and, and they hope that God doesn't see it. Hope that God is blind and cannot see it. But God sees it, obviously, and God treats this very seriously. So seriously that in Malachi chapter 3, he says this, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. You must tithe. Do you know that if they see an ant trail, okay, that means an ant carry a grain of sugar from this place to that place, huh? you must tithe. Because the ant did work, so 10% of that must go to God. So I don't know how they're going to take that little grain of sugar and give 10% to God. And then the Pharisees are beginning to say that you cannot accept hospitality from non-tithing people. So if I come to you and you invite me for dinner and I find out that you do not tithe, I cannot eat with you. Okay? Because I cannot be contaminated by non-tithing people. And if a wife sets before a husband untithed food, okay? You have this little parsley that the wife forgot to tithe and she sets that parsley before you, you divorce her. Oh, it's cause for divorce, okay? You're not commanded to divorce. It's cause for divorce. And that was the environment that Jesus was facing when he came onto the scene and, and he was to usher in this new covenant of grace and that was the kind of environment he was in. So, let's look at some New Testament teachings. There's a lot of teaching in the New Testament on giving. None on tithing. None. So let's look at it. At that time when Jesus was there, the temple was still there. So there was a temple tax. Right? But in AD 70, when the Romans destroyed the temple, there was no more temple. And nobody has come up to rebuild the temple yet, so there's no more temple tax. But at that time, there was. And let's read Matthew chapter 17 about this temple tax. Matthew chapter 17 from verse 24. After Jesus and his disciples arrived at Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax, the temple tax, came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked, From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt. Jesus said to him, But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw down your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours, two each, right, remember? So Jesus said, yes, pay the tax. Uh, I put up a picture of St. Peter's fish on my Facebook recently in my trip, and, and some wise guy asked me, did you find a coin inside? <laughs> I wish, I thought the, the, the restaurant should do it, right? Every fish that they serve put a coin inside. That would be so meaningful, but they did not do it. 
So Jesus said, pay tax to the government of your day. And, and this, um, he mentioned this again in Matthew chapter 22, uh, from verse 15. It says, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin that you use for paying the tax. Then they brought to him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they said. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. Going to pay tax to the Singapore government, the PAP rule government, pay, render to Caesar. You got to give to God, then give to God. Again, the Apostle Paul confirms this, our civic duty, in Romans chapter 13, from verse 1, he says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against that authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear from one, from, uh, of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. That is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If, if revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And Jesus then talked about, talked against some of the things that people do in giving. He talked, talked against self-righteousness. He talked against, against pride in giving. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood a distance away he would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So you can give. You can give religiously, accurately, down to six decimal places, but with self-righteousness, and with pride. And then Jesus taught again about legalism in Matthew chapter 23, 
verse 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should practice the latter without neglecting the former. You know, I, I used to take this verse, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, as Jesus' definitive command to tithe. There, 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 you see? You should not neglect the former. Not neglect to tithe your yim sai chong, your parsley, your, your mint, and your cumin. But I've changed my mind now. I look at this in context. Verse 23 of Matthew 23 was the fifth time, the fifth time that Jesus was calling the Pharisees hypocrites. And he got three more to go yet. Okay, eight times he called them hypocrites. He was using this as an, an example. The tithing of the minutest of vegetables and herbs. And the point of his teaching was major on the major on what really matters. It doesn't matter about that tiny little bit of herb that you tithe, the ant that brought this grain of sugar. That is not the issue. The issue are the weightier matters of the law about righteousness, justice, and faithfulness. And without neglecting the former, it's double negative. It's double negative so as to concentrate his energy and the focus of his teaching on justice, faithfulness, righteousness. So I now don't think that this one verse is, can be a one-verse uh, doctrine on tithing. And then Jesus addressed paying of taxes. He addressed the hypocrisy and the legalism of Pharisees. What is his main message? I think it can be summed up very, very simply. Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received freely give. As simple as that. So few words. Freely receive, freely give. I think Sengeng talked about this passage, uh, was it last week, Deuteronomy 15, that talks about open-handed. Open-handed towards your brothers and towards the poor and needy in your hand. Don't be like that. Be like that. Open-handed. Don't be tight-fisted. Be open-handed. Freely receive, freely give. What does the New Testament teach about tithing? Other than this one minute verse in Matthew 23, 23, nothing. So let me just share six points about giving, okay? There is only one requirement in the New Testament about giving. It is give. Give. Freely give. We talked about Matthew 10, 8. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 Give, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. I've often wondered about pressed down, shaken together, running over. And, and then I, I think about, you know, the, the term jam-packed. Wow, jam-packed. Like sardines, you know. Pressed down, pressed down. I don't know if you come across uh, some of this. I think last time they have uh, in, is it Pizza, Pizza Hut? You got buffet, right? Only one bowl. Only one bowl, right? You can only go there one time, right? Ah, think about that. Okay. 
press in. Shake, 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 shake. Press in some more. Stack some more. Stack some more. That's the way it is. Or you've seen some of these, uh, 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 what is it, contest shows on TV. You got this supermarket basket. You got 10 minutes and you grab as much as you can and then you can check out and see who gets uh, more. So you run through the supermarket, you press in some more, you sit on it, you press in some more. That's, that's the way it is about give. The more you give, the more is gonna, the Lord is going to press in and shake, shake, shake and give you some more so that you can give some more. And you freely receive and you freely give. That, that's the idea, I think, behind this verse. No? A press together, shaken and overflowing. So, number one is just give. Give. It is an investment. That giving, it is an investment, right? And some say that the returns are out of this world. Okay, some of it you get in this world, but a lot of it you get out of this world, in the next world. And Jesus said, Luke 16, 11, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, worldly possessions, then who will trust you with what is true riches? True riches. So freely give, faithfully give. Number two is sacrificially give. The parable of the widow's might, Mark chapter 12, Verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but the poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny, a fraction of one cent. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, come, 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 I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Freely, faithfully, disproportionately, according to this widow, sacrificially. Number three, systematically. So give, give sacrificially, give systematically. 1 Corinthians 16.2 On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So it's a systematic thing. It's not like, oh, the bags are being passed around. Let me dig into my pocket and I only have $2 left, so I give $1, 50%. It's not like that, right? You think ahead of time and you put it aside and you give. Sacrificially, systematically, secretly. You know, Jesus taught in Matthew 6, then the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you in secret. Let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay? So sometimes, especially new believers, especially those from Teban Gardens, they will come and say, Pastor, I give this to the church and they give me the money. I say, don't give me the money. Go straight to the bag. I don't want to know. Okay? So no need to tell anybody uh, what you give. Right? So secretly and generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've often wondered about this verse. Shouldn't it, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also? Shouldn't it be that way? So you have $10,000. You buy a handbag. Where is your heart? 
So, not, not to say that it's, it's, it's wrong or anything. Huh? I mean, you afford it, you, you buy it. Lah. Just don't let me see it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you got $10,000. You, you buy shares as an investment. Where is the heart? The next, whatever. Every day you'll be monitoring those shares, right? So the heart is there. A portion of it is left there. And so you have $10,000 and Paul and Tia An are running. And you say, I want to sponsor them, man. $20 per kilometer run. Wow, both of them finished 500 kilometers. I have just spent $10,000 on sponsoring children. Where is your heart? Now I want to know how these children are doing. You know? And maybe they need some more money. Maybe some of them, after five years, can go to university. Maybe they need some more money. Where is your heart? Your heart is there. And so your behavior will vary according to where your treasure is. I think that's what Jesus was saying. So where do you want to invest? And then cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you give, you give um, faithfully, sacrificially, systematically, secretly, generously, cheerfully. So what is the principle? principle is all your wealth and all the earth's wealth is God's anyway. Right? The earth is mine and the fullness thereof in Psalms. But God always reminds us, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is the. It is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And what makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen carefully to this. Huh? Giving is not God's way of raising money. Right? When God says give, it's not His way of raising money. It all belongs to Him anyway. Giving or offering is God's way of raising children. Right? Don't you teach your children that, hey, when you get your first paycheck, huh? it's not that I'm after your money, you know, but it's, it's, yeah, just give me something. And remember, give your grandparents something also. Don't, don't you have that? For those who are parents, you will feel it. So giving or offering is not God's way of raising money for BB or this project and that project. It's for raising children. And if the Old Testament and in history and the practices of a generation and society that has gone before us gave 10% as a tithe, what does grace require? Grace requires nothing. That's why in the New Testament, nothing. No law, no commandment, no stipulation about 10%. But Grace demands all. Requires nothing, demands everything. So how do I think the church ought to practice? Think about 10%. Just think about it, okay? In fact, uh, many churches, I've, I've, as I research this, are very reluctant to preach like that. To say that, actually, uh, you read 
up and down the New Testament, it doesn't say 10%, you know. But if I preach like that, uh, wow, next week, uh, oh my goodness, everybody say, oh, free, we are free, we don't have to give 10%, then, then how are we going to manage this church? But that's where grace, and that's where freedom, and that's where faith is, right? So you are free, okay? No need to think about tithe. We have to change our slides, okay? We cancel the word tithe. We just say offering, right? Because there isn't a very strong, strong, strong teaching that you must give 10%. There isn't. It just says offer. But there is historical practice of giving 10%, actually 23.3%. Of course, 10% goes to government, but now our government is not theocracy, but uh, what, whatever, regular government. So whatever you decide. Let me give you uh, a, a couple of uh, illustrations on this. Um, when, when I bought my current house, which is 20-some years ago, at that time, recession, great time to buy, not enough money, but just enough to make down payment. And I decided that, uh, yeah, let me otang God, let me owe, owe God, because, I mean, I, was, I still have a bond, they won't sack me. I think I would be promoted, so my salary should rise. But for now, cash is kind of tight. So I said, why don't I not give anything to God for maybe one year, two years? Then I let my salary catch up through uh, promotions. And I can even add in an interest element, right? So God, I owe you, but I pay you interest. Huh? And then maybe one year later or 24 months later, as I get promoted, and I pay you back everything plus interest. Huh? You gain, I gain. Everybody wins. Until a Christian friend of mine says, how can you even think like that? You know? First fruit is first fruit. Give first. So, okay, I was corrected, so I gave first. But an even better illustration is this, you know, that, that a missionary was teaching a, a rural a society about giving. Of course, he used 10% as a sort of teaching point. So 10% give. So one day, this little boy ran to the, the missionary and said, here, I give you my 10%, one fish. And the missionary was say, yeah, but where are the other nine? Oh, I'm running back to the river to catch the other nine. <laughs> That's the right concept. That's the right concept. I offer to God. I offer to God first, first fruits. And it's really not as though God needs our money, right? I, I asked Edwin, because I remember this so distinctly, that it was like yesterday. I said, Edwin, uh, you preached a very good sermon on tithing uh, some time ago. Can, can you send it to me? And he sent it to me. And the date was 2nd of February, 2003. Ten years ago. And I remembered it. And Edwin said this, you know, that uh, he gives to his parents, his earthly parents, not on the basis of financial needs. He said, my mother has more cash in the bank than I have. That's ten years ago. La. My mother has more cash in the bank than I have, but I still give to her. My heavenly father has everything. <laughs> But I still give to him. Right. Okay, one last one before we, uh, we read the text proper. Okay, <laughs> later on we'll read that. But uh, this one is just so great, you know. You all go to Novena MRT? You know, it's Novena MRT? Ah, okay, so the story of this, this man who fell onto the tracks at Novena MRT. And everybody was trying to rescue him. And everybody says, give me a hand, give me a hand. No, he says, no. 
Then this guy came along and asked the man on the track, where do you work? Huh? He says, I work opposite all revenue house, income tax department. <laughs> and then this guy said, oh, in that case, take my hand, take my hand. Immediately he took his hand. So what is give and what is take? You know, we take God's blessings and we take God's blessing. And God says, I give to you, I give you, take my hand, I help you. I give my son to save you. I give you, I take. What is give and what is take? So now, let me ask the musicians to come as we read our text proper. Deuteronomy 20, 26. And you, 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 you see the give and the take. How much the Lord gives versus how much in the Old Testament he talks about tithe. And I trust that as we read this, our hearts will just like explode, man. This is the God who wants to give and give and give. And he asked me to take and take and take. Deuteronomy 26. When you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it, and settle in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. And then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for its name and say to the priest in office at that time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there, and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptian mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. And then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. And so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders he brought us to this place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey and now i bring the first fruits of the soil that you O lord have given me place the basket before the lord your god and bow down before him and you and the levites and the aliens before you shall rejoice in all the good things the lord your god has given to you and your household. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levites, the aliens, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you have commanded. I have not turned aside from, from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to your forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws, carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord 
is your God and that you will walk in His ways and that you will keep His decrees, commands and laws and that you will obey Him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are His people. PPH, you are my people. His treasured possession as He promised and that you are to keep all His commands. He has declared that He will set you in praise, fame and honour high above all the nations He has made and that you will be a people holy to God as He promised. And just as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, let me use that to say, the offerings and tithe are made for man and not man for the tithe. Let's stand as we sing this song together and use this song as an offering to the Lord. The sun cannot come back to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne. Before the Holy One of Heaven It's only by your blood And it's only through your mercy Lord, I come I bring an offering of worship to my King Deserve the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you do. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. the chorus, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one of them was the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you do. Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one is love the praise that I say. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you Offering to you, oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. Lord, we offer you our worship, the worship of the one who gave us everything, you gave us your flesh and your blood, you gave us every blessing. 
gave us the joy of fellowship among your people every Sunday. Gave us emblems to remind us of that great sacrifice you made for us that we will celebrate even more over Good Friday and Easter. And so God, we offer you first ourselves. We bring our lives as an offering to you. Lord, would you then help us to give and to give and to give just like you faithfully, freely, sacrificially, cheerfully, secretly. And that there will be no lack among your people. The poor among us in this country and in the various places that you have led us to in East Timor, in China, in Teban Gardens, that there will always be plenty. Thank you for your blessings to us. Enable each one of us, Lord, to just rise up in our spirit with a heart full of thanksgiving in the joy of giving. We thank you. We praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.